journey, we are excited to sit down and chat with our guest for episode number four. If you are a member of the British Columbia basketball community and you are not aware of the name or the person that we are going to chat with today, then I really don't know what to tell you. A man who is has a huge championship pedigree, played at every level possible in Canada and won at all those levels, and someone who I've played a ton of basketball with, have known for a long, long, long stretch of my life, and super thrilled that he was able to take time from his family tonight to uh, join us. Um, and we are excited to have no other than Randy Nor here. Randy, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Yeah, we're excited to just chop it up and and just hear some stories about you and your journey through basketball and where you're at. And know that right now, you know, work-wise and with a lot of people out there, COVID is, is kind of a stressful time. So we do appreciate you just sitting down and, and taking some time to go through your journey as a basketball player. Um, and let's get right into it. Uh, I just want to know, you know, a, a young guy, you're a young kid from Aldergrove, and all of a sudden you get drawn to a sport like basketball or just sports in general. Tell us a little bit about when you were young and, and what it was like growing up in your household and, and how sports became a part of your life. Uh, it's a funny one for me because neither one of my parents are really into sports. So growing up in my household, every Sunday we were off motorcycle riding and biking and neither one of my parents played sports. So it's probably my best friend growing up. He was really into sports and was quite good and just a natural athlete. So just hanging out with him has kind of got me into basketball. But to be truthfully honest, I was a big soccer player. So mm. grade like six, seven, eight, I was probably one of the better mm. soccer players in the province for my age. And then in grade eight, I tried out for the basketball team, made it. But we actually had two teams that year. And I still remember... My coach pulled me in the office and said, hey, congratulations, you made, you made the team, but I got to ask you something. He goes, uh, you made the A team, but you're our last pick. So I think it'd be better for mm -hmm. you to play on the B team because you get to play a lot more. And at the time, I, like, I liked basketball, but my best friend was the best player on the team. So I was like, no, you know what? I, like, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll play on the A team. It, like, I wasn't really thinking about it. I just want to hang out with my buddy. Anyways. Before the season started, I'd kind of worked my way into a starting spot. And yeah, and then it probably was near the end of my grade eight season is when I fell in love with it. A lot, a hmm. lot of that had to do with uh, like influences on TV, um, just the difference of how someone can have an impact on the game of basketball, I think was what really drew me to it, where soccer, you could be really dominant. It was really easy to not touch the ball for so much of the game. So I, I, I started to like that about basketball. Then eventually that was really what drew me to it, I think. Interesting, because especially in that grade eight year, you know, it, that's a time where if you don't make that decision to be on the, the A team and you're like, I'll be on the B team. But even if you were one of the better players in the B team, maybe it's just you're like, ah, I don't really like the challenge of yeah. it. And it's not really that fun. Right. And so. Just that social interaction right away maybe was something that clicked for you right off the bat. If I, if I don't make that decision, and I made the decision strictly because my friend was playing on the A-team, and it was early in the high school yeah. season. I think we picked teams a little <laughs> earlier than you guys do nowadays. I didn't know very many people either because yeah. there wasn't a lot of guys from my high school trying out for the team. 
Like that was back in the day when they were right eight to twelve. Now, was this yeah. Alder Grove? So, was Alder Grove eight to twelve? Um, and we probably had forty guys okay, at trial. Okay, so it's Alder Grove, yeah. Like thirty in the thirties, right? And um, right, yeah. Anyways, it's uh, yeah. I literally only picked it because my best friend at the time was on the team, and I wanted to hang out with him because I didn't really know anybody else, and the rest is kind of history. That's awesome. I think that's just a huge part of sport too that people overlook is just the feeling of just that social connection and then being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Like you're just instantly, you're in grade eight, you know, we're all kind of awkward those first few years of high school, especially when we start out. And then it's like, you're just thrown into a group of 12 guys right away that you're connected with. Um, so then grade eight year finishes, are you like, okay, basketball is my thing and I'm fully dedicating to this. No, it probably was like the, the end of grade eight, beginning of grade nine, I still remember my dad used to be my coach in soccer. Um, coach slash manager, really, he he just, it was before we had line fields, so he was the only dad smart enough to line all the fields, and and um, I still remember he would close his business to go and line the fields and drive me to all the games and um, just spend time with me, right? So I remember yeah. in grade nine, he came to me and he's like, listen, I don't want to be lining all these fields if you aren't going to play because what was starting to happen in grade nine is we'd have a soccer game and there'd be a basketball conflict i'd always pick basketball and oh interesting my parents just allowed me to make the decision and somewhere in the middle of grade nine i just said you know what basketball was the one i wanted to pick soccer kind of worked around it just because i was good and they were happy to kind of have me whenever they kind of got me and it was just becoming less and less and less because my high school mm-hmm. coach was really keen and we were just in tournaments all the time. So, and I think that was part of it too, is we just played a lot more games than soccer where soccer you play, you know, your one game a week and we were playing three and four times a week sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what we're transitioning into the next thing is, so you go grade nine, grade 10. Now, obviously when you're in grade 11, 12, you guys had a special group of guys and then we, you know, we just had that, uh, celebration at the provincial championships and you your guys your group of guys from Aldergrove were by far the you know the, the team that had the most guys from yeah. high school you know there so there's obviously a super tight connection when did that connection start was it were all those guys there when you were in grade 10 so or did some guys jump in in grade 10 my, or my yeah, high did school work? coach didn't cut anybody ever so what happened was is in grade oh, wow. eight we had two teams grade nine we had two teams in grade 10 we just had one so grade 10 we had like 18 mm. guys on the team and he just didn't cut guys and oh wow we had guys that didn't play very much would play lots and blowouts type deal and then um yeah so when we got to grade 11 i actually think in grade 10 is the year that i i, I really started to um, realize that we had kind of a special thing going it's funny because when we were meeting at that basketball mm-hmm. best bc bank what we were all talking about like the losses that get to us funny because it, this story tells ties me to you is yeah. <laughs> in grade 10, your team and my team were ranked one and two all year. And we both got upset in the Fraser Valley championship. Right. And then, yeah. Who did you guys lose to? We lost to Maple Ridge. We lost to MEI. Oh yeah. And then, cause we ended up playing each other in the, I don't know, one of the garbage games late, but it, yeah. it was, <laughs> it was one of those ones where we were the two best teams in the province. And it, yeah. it was just, anyways, it was one of those ones where that's always one of those games that really stings. So 
funny those moments still stick with you even yeah. you know you guys are we're 42 years old and still oh, talking man, about it's that just yeah. like, and it was so funny to see like all you know at the time there was 11 of us at the best will be see at banquet talking about it and all of us got hot and mad and you know yeah. so um <laughs> and then what happened was is so is, is brown your coach and junior as well was he your grade like, did he eight follow to you? 12 buddy all five oh, he years. followed you guys up hey yeah all five years wow so no way yeah it's uh i don't think i ever knew that yeah it was it was real special man like we we it's it's so funny to me oh. because think that it's great people that coach high school basketball because they're so impactful on your life in so many different ways like i look at my high school team and brown left a few years after we left and when i tell people i'm from Aldergrove, they're just like oh i didn't even know they had a basketball team i'm like yeah i think five or six years after i graduated they didn't have a team the program yeah the program i mean it all came down to the coaches and people that were going to put in the time and and they just have, yeah. Uh, they they had one team that was four years younger than me, my brother's team, who finished third at the yeah. uh, AA provincials. But after that, they've never had a yeah. team that's even like qualified for playoffs or never really had a team. Yeah, and that's a you know being someone who's involved in it right now is a big fear. Just how do we continue the game and just seeing more programs like that where a dad follows for a couple of years and there's no team the next year and just that continuity is so important and just keeping the keeping basketball going it's funny because me and my wife are on the other side of it where we're trying to figure out where our daughters our daughter sons are going to go to school yeah because my my daughter is in grade five right now going into grade six so we're trying to figure out do we have to move do we have to yeah. like what are we going to do because we both i mean my wife played basketball too so yeah we we both understand that it's the you that are so important to the equation for sure because i always tell people i was like if i would have went to lsf or some other school that i I wouldn't have been a basketball player and that's the unfortunate thing with basketball and how it's set up a little bit it's getting a little bit different because i mean i could have played in club nowadays but Mm -hmm. it's just a very different you know how it's set up so that's cool i i had no idea that browner was followed you guys up that that's even adds way more to the story so we're like you obviously grade 11 and 12 you're fortunate enough to be on two great teams you guys win the double a provincials two years in a row what is it about yourself as a basketball player like what is your what is what is your high school coach teaching you what's happening at home are you even in reflection upon your life do you think about that you know i one thing I always talk about is when we're when we're teenagers, like we're just such selfish people, right? We're just so caught up in who we are, and it's not anything intentional. It's just we're teenagers, right? So, what are the things that you're learning and getting yourself prepared prepared to go to the next level? You know, the post secondary level after taking, you know, the winning obviously teaches you things. The losing is still stuck with you. Yeah. But what are the things that uh, Neil Brown or your dad have taught you or your mom that you're ready to carry forward? So I think the real the big ones were. The thing that uh, Brown did was he gave us opportunity. So he was there every morning, seven o'clock in the gym, and then he would be like, "Okay, well, if you want to, sh- if you want to shoot an open shot in the game, like you know, make this many shots. If you want to, right? Because like, we had so many guys on the team. If someone came and complained about playing time, he'd go, "Well, Randy's here every morning, and you're never here, but you want to play over him. Well, then you need to right. come and you need to put in the work and and I." Th- it's funny because my dad and Brown are very similar where they're both 
They're both teddy bears, <laughs> but they both have a kind of a big bite. So when you're with them one on one, they're really they're easy to talk to. And but if you don't do as they say, they're they'll have a tendency to raise their voice and be loud. And I responded really well to Brown and how he got on me. And my dad tells a story all the time where parents in the crowd would be like, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe he's yelling at your son like that." Doesn't that make you mad? And my dad would always be like, if it doesn't bother Randy, why would it bother us? Like, Randy's fine. He's yelling yeah. at Randy to work harder or do something. He's not calling Randy bad name. And I think because my parents allowed me to be coached hard, that allowed me to catch up a lot. Because mm-hmm. in all reality, I was kind of a, yeah. a late developer in the basketball game. And I, I would say that's true through my whole mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, career is the one thing that I, I think that I did a very good job of is I kept working and kept getting better. So like, I okay, right. I end up being a pro player, but I mean, when you go back to when me and you were playing against each other in grade 10, you did not look in the gym and say, hey, that guy's a, a pro player. Like right. I would have, and, and to be honest, like you look at my high school team, I still think I'm third or fourth best on the team. Like we had some mm-hmm, really, mm-hmm. really good guys. So like I can't even sit here and say, oh, I was by far the best player in my high school team. That's because that's not true. And that's that's really what I wanted to get into that too, was like, you know, obviously things like the provincial team back in the day, there was no club options, right? It was, you know, you played U16, U17, U19. We even had the U19 option, right? And if you didn't, you kind of just went to camps and you trained on your own and, you know, you were able to be a part of some of that, but some of that, you know, you, the tough part, you, you know, you didn't make. So yeah. What's your mindset there? Like one thing that I've always admired in you is, you know, you're a kind of a shorter, stockier kind of guy. You just found a way to be able to get things done, right? You found a way to to yeah. master your craft. So, I, I def- what did you I learn don't from the way with the basketball look? That's for sure. <laughs> with the provincial team was an interesting one. So I was lucky enough to make the under 15 summer games team that I played with you and. That was really a big thing for me because that was the first time I had spent time being coached by someone else. So then when I came back, I, like I saw a big leap in my game. Yeah. And then grade 10, when we lost in Fraser Valley's, I actually went and played on the senior team for provincials. Oh, right. And ended up starting for them. And I think we finished, I don't know, fifth or something because they lost the first game. Was that up in Kamloops? No, no. this was at Walnut Grove. Oh, okay. Because that was when the school just opened. Yeah. Okay. And cool. then that's the year I try out for the under 16 team. So my, that was the first year that they did um, the Jamboree and my team makes it to the final. We lose to the Richmond guys with Bristol and them in the final. Yeah. And nobody from my provincial team or no one from my regional team makes the provincial team. I didn't even make the top 20. That was one of the biggest motivating things to me because I remember like Jordy uh, as an underager made it. We beat his yep. team by 50. Allie Wilmont's team uh, yep. over that played at UVic. We beat his team by 50. And that summer, it just it motivated me. So my grade 11 year, I just put in work. And I was yep. going at 6 in the morning. I was meeting the janitor. And then what ends up happening is my high school coach convinces us, don't try out for the under 17. And I don't want to say convinces says, hey, we're going to have a traveling team. We're going to go to the Eastern Washington team camp, Washington State team camp. We're going to play in all these tournaments. But you can't play on the provincial team if you're going to do that. So I don't try out for the provincial team. And I still Mm -hmm. remember Eberhardt was the provincial team that year, your U17 year. 
and my club team plays his club team that he kind of had like his I think it was just his McNair guys and I dropped 48 on in the summer mm-hmm. he comes running over to me and he and I said hey no offense I feel like I kind of got screwed over last year so they don't get me this year I'm gonna just spend time and just work on my game and play with my high school guys and it was my high school team a couple guys from Brookswood and a couple guys from Poppy that was kind of what I did all summer and I just put in work and then come back the next year so i have my grade 12 year i have a really good grade 12 year but then after that i tried out for the under 19 as a underager and was fortunate enough to make that then made it again a year after and i was an alternate on that team yeah that first year the u19 team was loaded that was an alternate that year we were there's like i think about the team that we played with i can't believe it you touched on one thing i want to go back on though is like how vital and I always try to teach the kids that I coach and that I teach is like, you know, treat people with respect, don't burn any bridges, but like how vital is a janitor in a school? Oh my goodness. They are the most important person. Right? I literally, I, I would, I would get there <laughs> before they would. So he started to come earlier. So some, during my grade 10 year, someone had given me some uh, workout. I think it was like an old national team workout. And it was supposed to be equivalent to running five miles or whatever. Yeah. I would go and do that workout before any of the other guys on my team would get in the gym. I'd be in a full lather, right. 6, 45, 7, they'd start rolling in the gym. Because my high school, we used to have full-on games in mm. the morning. Like, my whole high school career. Oh, yeah? Sometimes winning in the morning or at lunchtime was way more competitive than games that we would play in league because we had so many guys on my team and like the it was games you had yeah some amazing games that really taught me how to be competitive and um but yeah going back to the janitor i mean that's it's unfortunate the the janitor that was there uh, ended up passing away a few years uh, after i graduated real nice guy harry and was just love sports and awesome. yeah I just, yeah, I think in schools, there's two people that you got to keep on board, the janitorial crew and the front office are like, those are the people that you need the most in your corner. Everybody else, you can work with their issues. But if those people don't have any time for you, it's a tough place to be. Especially if you're a hooper. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, without, without, without a doubt. Um, So obviously, you know, you move on, you play your first year at Fraser Valley. Like what? What was that decision? What was the recruiting process for you? Were you getting where a lot of people tapping on your door, or did you? Yeah, you know what? I I got recruited quite a bit. Um, so here's my thing: is I didn't have French eleven, so I knew going into my grade twelve year that I either had to go to the state or I was going to have to go to college. Right. When I was getting recruited by all the local colleges, went on a few recruiting trips, but my grade twelve English teacher was the assistant coach at Fraser Valley. <laughs> so every day he was all over. Him. Right. His wife was the athletic director at that school. Right. So it, it just like, he would, it was one of those ones. I still remember from my grade 12 year, I'd walk into class and everybody be like looking around and be like, Hey, ask him some basketball questions. Cause they knew it'd waste 40 minutes of yeah. him trying to like recruit me and talk to me about sports. So um, <laughs> anyways, I, I, I picked Fraser Valley. It allowed me to stay at home. It was, a, it was a good learning experience. I went and p- played for Pat Lee, uh, mm. and that was his first year. And we had a real interesting team. Of all the teams I've ever played on in my whole life, the only team that I've never played on that didn't make the playoff. You guys didn't have a we gym, lost, right? We didn't have a gym. 
we used CBC's old gym and we used to practice like eight to 10 at night. It's crazy to me that like I ended up choosing to go there when you think of those types of things. And like Malaspina was really all over me. Um, Half three or four of the guys off my high school team went to Kelowna. Probably good that I didn't go there because I think they all flunked out at Christmas. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, anyway, I ended up going to Fraser Valley. Me personally had a fairly good year, except I broke my arm at Christmas time. So we play the first semester. I come home or all my buddies from Kelowna come home. We go to the, up to the high school and I break my arm dunk of all things. Oh, now you've played with me for a year. Are you really believing that story or what? I go up one foot, two hand dunk. My feet swung up and I dove into the ground. Was out four right weeks to the day. You're like, and then you're like, I'm just going to stay low to the ground for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. I think when uh, we played you guys that year, we came out and there was a huge windstorm and the power went out. Do you remember that? It did. It did, yeah. And we had to drive all the way back and the highway was like, there was no lights and there were trees and I was like, we're going to die on the way home. And then I think we had to drive out later and finish the game. It was so weird. The last 12 minutes or 16 minutes or something like that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was funny because my, my Fraser Valley team that year, we actually had a fairly good team. Like we would, we beat teams that we weren't supposed to beat. Then we'd lose to a team that we should. And uh, mm-hmm. anyways, it was, it was an interesting experience. As a freshman, I led our team in scoring, but couldn't lead us to the playoffs. So it was really yeah. unfortunate that, that <laughs> year. And it, it just wasn't the right fit. It was funny because me and Pat Lee are quite good friends. And, um, We've talked a lot after that, and he—he's the first to admit that he dealt with me wrong that year. He was trying to be nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. I was coming from a really intense coach that was—if you didn't do your job, he called you out, and he was hard on you. And I still remember we would lose a game, go into the team room, and he would be going, "Hey, you know what? You guys tried really hard." And here's me as a freshman looking around, going, "He didn't. He didn't." <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm ready to call people out. <laughs> And like, got to be better than this. And yeah, it was, it was a real, yeah, yeah. Our, we just didn't mix well together, me and Pat. And I took the year off after that. I went and worked, started working for my dad. And what I really did is I really looked after my body in that year. I played men's league four nights a week and lifted weights like a, a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. So why did you take the year? Why did you decide to take the year off and not just transfer somewhere else? I think I was just mad at basketball because of how it ended. Well, one of the things I love about my group of high school friends is even the guys that weren't very good, what we had learned was just to compete and work really, really hard. Even our guys that aren't very skilled, mm-hmm. which I mean, I say that, but of my high school team, I think we had eight guys that played college. So, I mean, we, we were very right. skilled, but a lot of that was because we just worked that much harder than people because our high school coach demanded of us that. And I, I needed a year just to, to figure it out because I, I just didn't want to make that mistake again. And then what ended yeah. up happening was that, so after my first year at Fraser Valley, I made the under-19 team with you, and Kevin Hansen was the coach. Yep. And to be honest, I've told, I've told the story a few times. This yep. It was the, the least fun I've ever had in my life playing basketball. From the standpoint of, 
Yeah. I, I didn't think Kev thought very highly of me. I could tell that he um like he was going for the gold next year. Like obviously Kev's really competitive. But I remember he remember he wrote us all a note. This is what I want you to yeah. do. This is what I need from you. And mine was all about how I needed to yeah. uh teach yeah. Jordy how to do this and Aaron Olson how to do this because we had all these young guys on the team and Kyle <laughs> Russell, Aaron Olson, and here Jordy, I go from being well, the starter as uh, an Neville. underager, second on the team in scoring, first in assists and steals, to I'm coming off the bench and I'm just I was just bitter. But the one thing that I did end up loving is Kevin is the most competitive guy and I loved how mad he was when we lost. And it reminded me of my high school coach. So that's yeah. real that to be honest, that's why I ended up choosing right. Langara. Um it, it it definitely wasn't the money because right. I don't think I got anything because I think he was giving it all to you. But <laughs> you know, it, it uh all oh, five hundred and seventy dollars, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> me and Kevin joked around about it because when he was recruiting us that year, that was when uh they hosted national so we went to some games and stuff but the whole time I, I didn't think he really wanted me i just think he i thought he wanted me because i was going to bring max with because james max yeah. was the guy that he, he i felt like he was really recruiting and i was just kind of like the yeah you want to come to type guy like see if i can get a combo <laughs> here the wingman uh, yeah yeah that's kind of what i felt like but as much as i hated the summer i loved how competitive Kev was and I right. loved how he wanted to win more than anybody that I've seen. And I, and I love that. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's, he's a very good coach and he's prepared and he set himself up good. I, what did we get a bronze that year? And then he got the gold the next year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We lost wow. Ontario and then, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. People's different perspectives from that stuff. Right. Yeah. So then you transition over to Langara and then, you know, you've had your high school thing, but that's when like your college career really, really just starts to take off. And what was it about uh, your relationship with Kev and that group of guys, the 97, 98 crew, you know, obviously you and Max move out, you get a little two bedroom basement suite right across the street from Langara. You're set up good. Yeah. You know, you're comfortable. And, and, and I think, you know, I think people look at the Pac West now and it's not to compare or whatever, but it just was such a different beast back then. Like the BCCAA was literally you know, if you, there was UVic, Simon Fraser, SFU, and then there was that league, which was full yeah. of talented guys. So how does, how does your career start to just really kind of take off to a, just a different level, you know, being under Kev and being at Langara? It's a funny one because as that, as it kind of started off, like, I, I still remember being at training camp. I, I remember us having a good team, but I think the thing that really, um, really kind of pushed or started my college career a little bit was it sounds funny, but remember we played in a, pr- a preseason tournament and Richie Bell got hurt. He broke his kneecap dunking. Jamie threw a lob and he comes over and he dunks and he breaks his kneecap. So he's out that whole season. Oh, I forgot about that. I started at point guard then. Yeah. And then what ended up happening was Kev went small and moved me to the two. And right, right. after Christmas, is really when my Dude, it's three hole baby. Because really what's happening is with that group, we were trying to get some stuff in transition, but in all reality, we're, we'd slow it down and try to get you the ball or give you the ball in some transition. So I think really what happened, what helped was when Richie went out, we just kind of, we sped up the game a little bit, which I think helped me and you a little bit. 
Um, and mm-hmm. everybody just kind of fell into place because when we first, when we, our yeah. first tournament, we went in, it was myself at point guard, Pete Hodson at the two, Richie at the three, you at the four and Dana at the five. But what ends up happening is I bumped up Jamie, we slides in the starting lineup and everything just gelled so much better. And I think right. that obviously getting to play with you and Jamie and Max and Dunner and those guys that year, I just, I fell in love with the game again. And I, to be honest, a, a lot probably has mm-hmm. to do with you and your leadership on that team, because I mean, that team was definitely your team. Um, and it, it was, it was, it was just so much fun to be around people that winning was really important to them. And they were willing to not go out on a Friday night because winning the game on Saturday went meant way more. And because that's the type of person I am, it was great to be around people that were like me. And, and that's, yeah. that's what I cherish about that group is we all wanted to win so much. Coming from the coach right down, Um, it just, yeah, it was, it just like right after Christmas is really when I just kind of fall into my own in that league and, and kind of figured it out. I was remember the emotions of when we won. Cause you know, we were down, you know, in the fourth quarter and like we pulled it out, but, and then Corbin and I were talking, we did a little thing about the last dance before. I don't know if you've been following that. Um, Oh yeah, buddy. Every day. Right. Every Monday morning, I'm up at six in the morning so I can watch before I go to work. There you go. And so we're talking about like, you know, just, and I mentioned you, well, not you, because I just said, you know, the person that we're going to talk to on the next podcast, but basically saying like, they're talking about, oh, Michael Jordan got in a fight with someone in practice. And I'm like, yeah, I just remember like practice, like me and you, like the two best guys in the team, just getting into it all the time or me like trying oh, yeah. to get into Dana's head when he's missing free throws and like probably saying things that people wouldn't like to hear, but like all we're trying to do is test each other and see where we're at and see if we're all mentally tough enough. So when that moment comes, can we get this done? Right. And we're down and, and because we tested each other, that's what it was about, right? It wasn't about not liking each other. It was about just that competitive fire. So interesting insight. That's always the one that bothers me when people can't be hard on their teammates and that obviously you, you don't want to cross the line, but part of winning is learning how to push people and be in that that space where it's uncomfortable. Because For sure. guess what? When you're down six in the national final with two minutes to go, that's an uncomfortable feeling. And if that's the first <laughs> time all season you've been in that, you're you're in trouble. You know? For sure. So, and I remember Kev call, calling time. One of the things that stood out was like I personally just like wanted to win for him so bad because he had just come so close so many times and yeah. i remember one of our timeouts down the stretch and it was basically like we like we're not losing this game and then it was like bucket for you bucket for me free throws for you free throws for you yeah. bucket for me and it was just like what a cool experience to go through to just feel feel that and go through that and that just the muck luck group of guys that we had is super cool and then that, obviously the next year you know you you have one opportunity to be a back-to-back champ in high school and then the next year like you guys just basically roll through the CCA. Like it almost wasn't even fair with the guys that you had on that roster. Like talk about, yeah. you know, our bench that year, 97, 98 was no, no disrespect, but like the, the guys that you played or were pulling off the bench became like CIS guys. Right. So oh, like that man, year was just so many CIS guys that year. 
Yeah, it was. You know what? We had a we had a really good team. Obviously, the year me and you played, but it was a little bit more top heavy. The For next sure. year, we're pulling. You know, Jeff Dolling, Gil Chung, Ricky Brar, James Derwin, James Maximu. Oh, James Tato. started like Pasic, like like Tato. we're talking five, six, seven right. guys. Tasso on your team, yeah, yeah. like. Paso was on the team, so it's like you're, you're yeah. talking to all these university guys. We had two UBC, two Ottawa, Brandon. You know what I mean? Like Calgary. Yeah. Like, yeah, we we had a really good team. I mean, obviously, after you win, recruiting is always a little bit easier. People want to come to you. We had a really good team that year. Uh, we only returned myself, um, Jamie, we and James Maxmew, and Max really came into his own that year. Richie Bell kind of slid yeah. into your spot a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we we just, we, we kind of put it together. I mean, we, we had a good little run there. What were you guys like 40 and 2? 40 and 2 that year, yeah. Now, was that, obviously, you lost to Mal in Malaspina because nobody can win there with those refs. Nope. Shout out VIU Malaspina. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? Did you lose to an American nope. team? Uh, Malaspina again at nope. Langara. Uh, oh we wow! You lost both. Two, we lost both games to Mel, and then we were Crazy. looking so forward to get to play them at Trinity that year, and then lost the semifinals to Caribou. Yeah, for Thompson Rivers Town. So we oh, didn't even get to play. Right. Them. So. And it's fun. It's funny too. Hey, like not to compare, but like the cycle of things, and then all of a sudden, you know, you guys, and then. Caribou kind of steps yeah. in. So that's, that's interesting. I forgot about that. All right. So then that wraps up and you're like, okay, I, I want to move on to the next level. You obviously, after, you know, being the MVP, two national championships and all Canadian, like what is the process you decide to go yeah, from? To Ghost be honest, to- it was a really, uh, it was a really weird thing to be in because I was being uh, literally being recruited by every school in Canada mm-hmm. and me and Kev met and he was really great in the helping me through the process. I said, listen, after my first year at Fraser Valley, this is what I know about myself. I'm not ready to go to a place and like rebuild or any of that. Right. And I remember because, uh, Kev obviously being UBC alum, we, he came with me to the Bruce ends meeting when UBC was recruiting me and UBC's saying, Oh, we'll give you all this money. And, we, you know, we want you to come and hey, you can turn the program around and we'll, we'll get us back to where we've been. And I was just like, I remember leaving and Kev kind of looked at me and I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. Like, <laughs> I remember that year our Langara team went there and beat UBC by 15. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I, I don't think that's what I'm looking for. Especially because you got and, two uh, years left, right? Yeah. yeah you got so two years. I remember it, it just. Like I, I had it narrowed down to UBC. I stay at home. I go to Alberta, who had just won the national championship. Right. Or I that summer, I'd spent time playing men's league and stuff with a couple of Stain of X alums. And mm-hmm. so Coach K, I tried out for the national team up at SFU that year. They had one of these open run things. And I met him there. And I was intrigued again about how fiery he was. I was a little mad he didn't pick me. But then he started recruiting me. So I went on a recruiting visit. And then when I got there, Mm -hmm. I met two guys on the team. And they were so good. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, coming back, and my dad's a big one, and he would always tell me, you know, make lists, go through them, pros, cons, and then just work it out. So I made my list, and it kept just coming back to, what's your goal? 
my goal was at that point, I was like, I think I'm pretty good at this basketball thing. I want to play national team or beyond. I want to play pro. So for me to mm-hmm. do that, I need to get out of my comfort zone, which means UBC is mm-hmm. off the map. I said, I know I want to win. So what do I do? And I still remember Don Horwood, the, the coach that who was at Alberta forever, phoned me. And this will be an interesting story for you is he goes, hey, Randy, I need to know if you're going to come because if you come, I'm, uh, I, I need to let another guy from BC, I've got a BC point guard that's here now, need to let him go because my son's mm-hmm. on the team. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this other guy started and you're keeping your son? Yeah. I'm like, I remember I yeah. thought about it and I was like, no, this isn't going to work. I'm like, one of the reasons that I kind of mm-hmm. left Fraser Valley was Mike Lee was coming, who was Pat's son, and hey, like, who doesn't want to see their kid do well and plays the same position as me? Like, so I was, I, I just narrowed it down and I still remember I had the, the worst phone call I ever made in my life was to Bruce Enns to tell him I wasn't going to come in. And I, I did it late too. Like, it was June when I finally made up my mind. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't go on my recruiting trip to St. Yeah. Vec because I was working that summer and it was a life-changing decision. And it was one that I think really changed me as, as a person to just getting out of my comfort zone in kind of like a different sure. culture. And yeah, it was, it was really quite, quite the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like Halifax to Vancouver is not a flight uh, home for no, uh, Thanksgiving man. weekend. That's for sure. Right. Like you're probably coming home. Did you even come home for Christmas? I came home for Christmas. Um, for, for like four days, five or six days, both yeah. years, but like it yeah. was, it was painful. I mean, on the way there, yeah. it's a 12 hour travel, five, yeah. six hours to Toronto, another three, four, plus you got the four hour time change. Plus you got a two hour drive. Yeah. Once you land, it was funny. Cause when I went out to St. Evac and really like, there was a few things that really like stood out obviously i liked the 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 team that we had and that was probably the number one thing where when i Mm -hmm. looked at what they had they just needed a point guard and i knew if i I hooped against them at the u19s right that's the team that won it we hooped against them at the new yeah the u19s right they beat ontario that year all those guys four of those guys or three of those guys are in their third and fourth year so um yeah, it's uh, right. it it worked out really well, and um, yeah. So that's I ended up taking Saint that's of good. Like, yeah, that's cool and it, good stuff there. Like, you know, one of the things with the podcast is it's not, you know, obviously we all love basketball, we're all junkies, but like your dad and just that advice to say like, hey, that's just applicable to anything. And so when you come to a, a crossroads in life and we need to make a tough choice, like sit down and weigh them out and think about it and process it, right? And that's interesting that you know even just for a decision about still to this day, yeah. he, he'll phone me and gives me yeah. the same advice have you yeah, made yeah. your list <laughs> got your pros and cons list you got to figure it out okay now question for you when, yeah. when in grade 11 12 did you beat poppy so both years go this is I've got okay six so championships and only I did, did three teams i did just so <laughs> yeah it's yeah, pretty funny well, no though, right? not only just yeah so just how crazy is it that so two high school titles yeah yeah so dw poppy hates alder grove what was it? Who was it? Humber? Uh, no. Dawson College. Dawson College from Quebec hates Langara and Brandon University hates St. of X. Like, and it's, it's funny because so, I, I, I went over to Europe and my second year playing pro, I played in Denmark and we played, they, they have two mm-hmm. championships and we played the same mm-hmm. team and beat them both times. So, right. It, no like, way. It, it, in like a, such a short window, I won eight championships yeah. and beat four teams. That's yeah, so was, funny. Yeah. 
It's funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, remember actually... I made the national team one year and we're at breakfast and everybody's telling little stories. And remember Prosper, Prosper Kruinga was on Dawson. Of course. He plays there. He was all yeah. Canadian, goes, plays at Siena after that. But it gets brought yeah. up that we played against each other in college. And he just goes, oh, mm-hmm. oh they only had two guys the first year. It, oh, man. We, it, oh, the team had a good little <laughs> laugh at him on that one. That's good. That's funny, too, because, you know, what? one of the things that I kind of wish, you know, I, I don't regret anything in life, but, you know, finishing that year at Langara and just not moving on and going back. And then I remember having conversations with Coach K, you know, you and Max were already out there and I was, or Max was figuring out where he was going to go mm-hmm. and was trying to figure out my fifth year. And I, I the thing I really appreciated about him was he was very honest with me. Yeah. Like he said, I'm only going to bring a guy out for a fifth year if I see them as being like a starter or like a sixth man. And I can't promise you that. And I like I admired that in him. Right. And then the irony of just, you know, how basketball comes full circle, like we're sleeping on little mattresses in Port Alberni High School <laughs> at U14 or whatever. And then like we're playing in overtime in the national final on TSN. Right. And like just how yeah. weird basketball journeys can be and where they take people you know and i remember like when we lost you guys most people would i just wanted to come and like give you and max a hug because you guys were my boys you're my teammates right like we won things together and had a huge road together and so it's just funny how those things come together right and i remember your parents were there watching and just so interesting to see where basketball can take you and obviously other than the success like what was what was it about saint of x that you enjoyed the most um like the small, small community, community seemed sure. like a like really good was, fit for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Being a coach at UBC for six years and being around a lot of other Canadian schools, St. of X was the closest thing to a small division one experience that I can imagine to the point where like after games, if we lost or won and I knew people would want to talk to me, I had to wear like a baseball cap to class because if not, I'd get stopped 10 yeah. times. Which came with its positives yeah, and its yeah. negatives. My right. fifth year, my I was living in a quad with uh, two girls and uh, a teammate of mine. And they cut a shirt made for me that said, yes, I am. And mm-hmm. then on the back, it says Randy Nor number five. Because we would be out all the time and people would always stop and ask me. <laughs> and they would just laugh their face off. It, uh, it became like our little joke in our house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or we'd be at the grocery store and you could see some little kid and he'd be pointing awesome. and, you know, like it was, yeah, it was pretty unreal, man. So then, you know, obviously the next thing on your radar is, is trying to make the national team and be a part of that. And, and I know that you're right along in an era with some sort of long haired dude from Victoria named Nash and a bunch of really good hoopers. And you have yeah, the opportunity man. to wear, to wear you know, the Canadian flag on your chest, like in terms of accomplishments in your career, like I, I'm just assuming that one's got to be up there, but I'll leave yeah, it to you. Like just uh, talk a little bit about what the national team experience was like. Yeah. My, my national team experience is a, is a bit of a, a weird one. So I was on the team for five or six years, uh, six years. So my first year is the Sydney Olympics. So because my team won and I was MVP, I got invited to trial. Uh, what ended up happening was, is I, um, had gone home and was training in Vancouver and met a guy named John Lee. And so I, I started training Johnny Lee. with him, Andrew Mavis, and a few Nove. other guys. Novell. Uh, I don't think Novell was that year. I think Novell was the year after that. but Later. Later. But like, anyways, uh, Richie Anderson, I think, is the guy. So anyways, 
we're yep. training and then i go to camp and uh, I really back then how national team camps work this it's in toronto because most of the team is from toronto so they don't want to fly people in to who aren't going to make right. it so i was yeah. lucky enough to be invited which meant they were going to fly me in i got flown in and i still remember just being in shock it's all these division one and all these amazing athletes and it, it, it really was just my ability to come into camp in amazing shape just grind it out like mm-hmm. the, the back then they used to make you do a physical fitness like a weightlifting agility test and then they'd make you run the beep test then they make you do a shooting thing that was day one in the first like whatever and then as soon as you're done the beep test, they make you play. Then you come back the next day and it's two a days and it's just a gruel. So if you guys didn't, guys that finished their season and then just rolled in would always break down. Guys are pulling hammies. So what ended up happening is I just kept making it. So how it would happen is we mm-hmm. start with 150 guys, 200 guys. It gets cut down fairly quick to a reasonable 30, 40 number. We're all staying in the Humber dorms. So how it would work is you do your two-a-days, but in between your two-a-days, you had to go back to your room and someone would come knock on your door and be like, coach wants to talk to you. So it's oh, wow. just two weeks of me just going back to my room and no one knocking on my door. Eventually, I get to where there's like 15, 17 guys. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's in Toronto. So a lot of the guys at night would go home or whatever. So I'm sitting in the TV room all by myself. And here comes this guy, goes into his little room and comes in and introduces himself. And here it's Steve Nash. So he comes in and does two weeks with us. And then what's happening is, so we had a training camp and it was, I think it was either three or four weeks. And he comes in and does a week with us. And then he's going to go travel for a month. But the team is going to go to Sydney to go to the pre-Olympic tournament. So he comes in and all of a sudden I'm two a days versus someone that, I don't want to say he's an idol of mine because he's only a few years older than me, but someone that I've obviously looked at his career, admired. I still remember the first day I played against him. I came and I do it all the time in men's league now, or I went to throw a skip pass and he squeezed my elbow. And instead of me throwing a rocket pass, it came out like a lollipop and the guys are going the other way dunking. And I do it to people all the time because rest don't call it (laughs) because you just squeeze his arm. You're not smacking him. and, And it's funny because there's so many things over my time with him that I just learned because he was, he kicked my butt every yeah. day. So it's like, I would be like, okay, I'll try this today. Well, that didn't work. Okay. I'll try this today. Okay. That didn't work. And that whole summer, I just kept trying <laughs> stuff that didn't work. So what ends up happening is he comes into camp, they get the team or they get the group down to 15 guys. And then what they do is Steve leaves and goes and travels for a month. I think he went to England to watch his brother play soccer. So then they're down to 14. They go, okay, we're going to mm-hmm. take 12 to Sydney. So I make that group. We go to Sydney. We play in the pre-Olympic tournament. We get a bronze medal. Uh, who are some of the guys that you, that you saw I or played against? To this who day, are some one of the, the guys there? My top two or three being dunked on. Remember Karolinko from Russia? I had a two-on-one with him, and he just jumped. Absolutely. And turned in the air and just like two-foot, two-hand reversed on my head. Dump fear. Australia obviously had a really good team. Um, <laughs> we played New Zealand a few times. So anyways, it was, I went and I had that amazing experience and then came back and now training camp was in Vancouver. And um, I still remember we were, uh, I go all the way to where the team now is going to go on the, their next thing. I think to the NBA summer league that year and they don't take me on this one. And I think Steve goes on that and come back. 
They bring me mm-hmm. back into camp. I do training camp again. And then um, what ends up happening is it's the, the night before they're going to say who the Olympic team is. And at this point, we pretty much know there's five of us and we know two of us are going to make it. So it's me and David Daniels, Greg Francis, Keith Vassell. I'm trying to think who the fifth one was. Anyways, I still remember we, we all went out as a team uh, downtown Vancouver someplace. And we're all the five of us end up at the table. And we just like look around and we all just wished each other good luck. Then uh, next way, next day on uh, my way to breakfast, I, I, I got cut. And it was one of the ones where at the time mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty easy to get cut. Because I was, it was my first time being there, and I was young and dumb, and just thought the like, man, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going to be in this situation for the Olympics all the time. And the last time Canada qualified for the Olympics, yeah, yeah, so, right, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and then I go back to university that year and had my best, my best year I'd ever had as a basketball player. Like the game had just slowed down for me. I led the country in assists. My team doesn't lose a game all year. It's still a record in the AUS. We go twenty and zero. I just, I my game really, really took that next step because mm-hmm. when I left Langara, I was a good basketball player. I wasn't a good point guard, and I became an okay point guard by the end of the year. But after that summer, right. I felt like I was the, one of the better point guards in the country. So it's uh, yeah, yeah, man. Then you have a little bit of a journey there, and then like things end up at, at St. of X and then was it always in your mind? Like, was it that summer when you're working with the national team and you still have one more year, you're thinking, I, I want to move on and play pro after this. Or when did that, when, when did that become sort of something that was a, the pro thing really was my last year at Langara because that summer I'd played against some pro guys. So I, it's funny because Dom comes into my story a bunch of times because a couple mm-hmm. years older than me, I listened to your podcast with him the other yep. day. He's, he's one boy. of the, one of the best. And I still remember playing yeah. against him and being like, oh, he's pretty good. I think I, yeah. if he can play, I can play. Then just as my, as my career kind of went along, it was just, it, it became something that was really like, there were some other guys that were playing pro that would come back. And I remember playing against them and it just like, it, it felt like the, the, the gap was very close. So right. yeah, after really my, my last year at X, I really, that was what I wanted to do. And then uh, I made the national team that summer, and that's I think the two and one. And I played Fishu games and uh, Goodwill games, and came back to university because I was I messed around in college too much, so I was behind in credit. So I <laughs> I uh, a bunch of classes, no and then I played pro the year after that. One of the things that was interesting to chatting with Dom too is like, so you know, you played in Sweden, Denmark, Switzerland. What's What's the difference, even at the national team level, where you're playing with guys that maybe get paid yeah. paid to play, but you aren't yet? And now it's like, okay, I have this contract. Like, what does oh, anything man. change? It, I mean, you obviously your work ethic and your determination is going to stay, and you're going to even probably work harder. Well, I, I, I don't think you. I, I think that guys that make it to that level have things in common where they they obviously work really hard, and so there's definitely a different level of pressure when you know you're expected. To do certain things mm-hmm. it's not acceptable to have an off game or a bad game especially for me mine's a little different than dom's because when i went i went as an import oh, okay so in europe you're allowed two guys that aren't imports so i was competing against every division one guy that didn't make the nba yeah for spot right so 
their expectations of me were a lot higher on loss. Right. So we'd lose if I, if 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 I had even an average game, I was getting thrown under the bus. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it, it was it was a real learning experience. It's funny. I was listening to Dom's and my first year, I had this uh, guy who was a uh, Magic Johnson's cousin. Okay. Uh, Irvin Irvin Nerville, and uh, I still remember he pulls me aside one practice. He's like, "Have you been paid yet?" I was like, no, I haven't been paid this month. He's like, good, sit here on the seat with me. Our coach rolls in, American guy, and goes, uh, boys, what's going on? How come you're not ready to go? He's like, big accent. He's, we're not practicing today. We haven't been paid. And swears at him. Literally, our coach is on his cell phone. Two hours later, the owner showed up with cash. No way. Because we played a game the next day, and he's like, we're not playing. Here's me. I'm just like, why? I'm, I was ready to practice and play. And, He's like, nope, you got to put these guys in line. And then, yeah, man, it was a, it was, it was a wild experience. That is my first year was really up and down. It kind of felt like my Fraser Valley year where we beat everybody, but lost everybody too, you Mm -hmm. know? And it was just me personally, I did okay. Like I was top five, six in scoring letters, led the country in assists and like played okay. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't, wasn't a fun year. And then I actually, what ended up happening was right after Christmas, we lost a couple games and our coach was just getting out coached like crazy. He called me into a meeting and said, okay, the owners have told me either you or me have to go and they're letting me pick. I was like, okay. So I, I still remember it was, it was in January and I was like, okay, well, I'm under contract. So you just got to pay me out. And I'll go and I'll get another job. And he's like, no, no, they don't want to pay you out. I was like, so I phoned my agent. My agent's like, listen, you got to stay. So I ended up staying for two months, not playing. I played in like the second division because I was helping coach and just keeping myself busy. It was such a terrible thing. They brought in this other American and I would just kick his butt every day in practice. And my agent told me I just can't, I, I just had to not anything to like have my contract be done and yeah, so that yeah. that was that year, and uh, yeah, man, that was a long year. Then uh, I next, and then and then you know I went to Denmark. The next I don't want to say like you only it was great, and it was what it was great. Yeah, it was better. Yeah, man, I was. It's funny because I didn't go until October because it was one of those ones. I it was kind of like my first year all over again at Langara, where I was being more picky on where I was going to go, asking more questions, right. and so then I went to Denmark, and I still remember the coach picked me up at the airport says hey if anybody asks you're a two guard I'm like yeah coach you know i'm a point guard right he's like yeah yeah, yeah i know but we have mm-hmm. the national team point guard on our team he's just not very good at the end of games so you just tell everybody you're a two <laughs> like oh okay and it was the most fun i'd had it was, took me back to my langara days i was averaging nine threes a game attempted shooting over 40 percent from the three just putting it up and then every time we got in a close game i played point guard so yeah, it was great that's yeah. hilarious. That's a funny, different beast. And then you play one more year, and then wh- is it obviously could have kept going? Like, why Why after that third year I, is it? Yeah, you know what? I, I played in Switzerland and kind of was more similar to my first year again, where it's just getting messed around. I, again, I had a good year. That was a lot of fun that year because we played in the FIBA Cup. So in oh, Europe, okay. there's like three international things where you play other countries. So we were getting to play more times a week. And uh, what ended up happening was I got a, it was an email, a call from Kevin uh, Hansen, and 
he offered me the job and it's just one of those ones where I always knew that I wanted to prove to myself that I could play pro. I didn't want to do it for just one year. I wanted yeah. to be there for a few years, but then it was time to like kind of start to be a grown up, you know? Um, <laughs> it's funny too, because I was, I got offered, there's a funny one for you. I got, I make the, I come back, I start at UBC. So I come back in March and I start right away. I made the mm-hmm. national team that summer, but I, I'm not going to go play pro again. I'm, I'm going to be right. at UBC. But Kev knew that I still wanted to play a little bit, so he let me do it. And then uh, the only bad thing was I had to turn down a few pro, pro contracts after that year. But yeah, I got into coaching and I just loved it. And yeah, and then it was just yeah. time to and then, be an adult. Yeah, <laughs> happens for yeah. everyone. I'm still working on that. <laughs> but like, okay, so then you think about all that. And now it's like your heart is into coaching your kids who are like young, oh, right? Man, so. It. Yeah. What, yeah, tell us a little bit about that, how basketball's come full circle and what have you taken from all of your basketball experience and now how do you pour that into the kids that you coach? And obviously your kids are super into it as well. Like talk a little bit about that before we <laughs> It's a funny one because I I coached six years at UBC and I loved my time there and it was one of those ones that people ask me all the time, Well, why'd you leave? And it was just like I was done being an assistant coach and mm-hmm. I after be doing it for six years, there's just not very many good jobs out there. Uh, there's only really one or two jobs that I would like. One would be the UBC mm-hmm. job. And I think, Kevin, I have nothing but great things to say about him. He does an amazing job there. So I knew, and he's young, so he's not going no place. And there's just right. not very many good jobs out there. And I got offered the, uh, a university job that year, but I, it was me- meant I was going to have to move my family. And at the mm-hmm. time, me and my wife had two kids. My son had just been born. And one of the things I didn't like about coaching or don't like about coaching other people's kids is at the beginning of the year, you get given your schedule, especially in university. And like my son was born and all of a sudden I was gone for 10 days because we're at national and just missing birthdays yeah. and all those things. And to me, I think that kind of full circle brings me back to my parents and especially my dad is sacrificing for your kids is, is, is awesome and just being part of that is great and for me i just wanted to be part of that process and be around them and so yeah i i won 80 it man i uh i went from uh working with these young motivated uh men who wanted to go into university to working with unmotivated women in in bars so it was it was quite the, quite the 180 <laughs> yeah 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 for but, sure uh, yeah and then yeah that's cool but i mean that that's kind of what it's all about taking like what you've learned and and it is kind of the sad thing, especially in, in Canada in our situation is you really have to think about so many factors because unfortunately, a lot of times at the university level, the money, it's a factor, Big time, right? It's, it's not like if they're going to pay you 250 grand to move to somewhere else. Okay. Well then maybe you can sit down with your wife and have a realistic exactly. conversation, but unfortunately the money's not like that. And so you really have to prioritize those things. So yeah, that, I mean, yeah. That, that, that was 99% of it. I mean. Evan was great, great to me at my time at UBC. And I like, mm-hmm. I remember at the time I was getting paid more than the SFU head coach at the time. I'm going like, right. ridiculous. like and there's two of us. Yeah. You're realizing how unique the situation is, right? Yeah. And it just like, it just started to, I started to realize that that's, that's going to be the right fit. So yeah, I, I switched yeah. up my career and it's been great ever since. And 
one of the great things about mine is there's a lot more stress and stuff the the money's a lot better and uh but the biggest one to be honest is the flexibility on my schedule is mm-hmm. is what I love about my job right now the most I, yeah. I, I kind of laugh at how much I'm coaching right now or I was coaching in the fall I, I I was coaching five six nights a week I coach my right uh, son's soccer team my son's basketball team help out with my daughter's basketball team you know like it's uh life busy yeah so it's awesome though it's mm-hmm. like so cool that you're still your heart's in it to give back and and take what you've learned to give to back to those kids because they'll although you're just you're creating you never know who's going to be able to be maybe a little bit like you or create the same memories that you've had the opportunity to go through right and getting kids hooked into sport yeah. and just wanting to be active at a young age is so important yeah that's cool man it's funny to me because people all the time will ask me they're like oh you must want your kids to be really good and I'm just, no i mean it'd be great if they are but at the end of the day what i want them to experience is that camaraderie of having those brothers on your team yeah. and getting to travel. And it's funny because lots of times you don't remember the winning and loss. You remember the hotels and the beaches and all the fun things that you do. And you're doing it with like-minded people yeah. who are motivated at the same, the same as you. And that, that's the, the best thing about sports, in my opinion, is being, being in that environment. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, I think. It's awesome, man. That pretty much sums it all up right there. I think you've nailed it. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing. Good Lad Clothing is located at 221 Esplanade in Lower Lonsdale in North Vancouver, 30 seconds from the C-Bus. Good Lad Clothing prides itself in being the only three-in-one shop in Vancouver where you can get clothing, coffee or a beer, and a cut. Everything is ethically sourced, and what better time to support Canadian-made goods than right now during COVID-19. From the locally roasted beans, to Toronto's own crown shaving, which is one of my favorites, to also one of my favorites, a Vancouver company named Raining Champ. So many great options there at Goodlad. The owner, Shane Meyer, will offer you a private shopping experience, and will also give you a free beer or coffee while you tour the store and check out what you need. While you're there, if you do happen to mention a Hoops Journey podcast or that you know me, Aaron Mitchell, we'll also offer you a 25% off discount anything store-wide. If you are unable to make it to the store, please go online to goodladclothing.com or shopthefoldgroup.com to have clothes delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping worldwide. Thank you so much to our sponsors and let's get back to our show. Before we let you go, though, we've got a little bit of rapid fire for you here. So we're going to put you on the spot and whatever is like the first thing that comes to your head, just give it to us. How's that sound? Perfect. Okay. So throwing it back, obviously, you know, everybody wants to talk about the GOAT, but uh, who was your favorite player growing up? Who was Uh, the person that you watched and wanted to be like? (laughs) Or I'll just tell you what my daughter, my oldest daughter's name is. And you can figure it out. Her name is Jordan. So. You can see the impact that uh, somebody might have had on my life. There you go. So that answers that answers to obviously you think he's the greatest of all time and was the biggest impact on you. There you go. Um, what is spinning on your Spotify playlist right now? What are you what What are you listening to on those rides to work? So here's a funny one. Actually, I'm not a music guy at all. I know. Like, I was wondering where this was going to go. 
Because like when it came to warm up tunes and stuff with because, the team, you yeah, had I mean, no opinion. You've known me for a long time, but you've never heard me be like, hey. "Yeah." So for me, I, I'm like to be honest. When I'm in the car, it's either sports radio or uh, I, I'm starting to listen to stand up comedian stuff. I just or, or or I'm actually on the phone a lot because what I end up doing is my car yep. is kind of like my office, so I have three phone calls I need to get done by the time I get home. Or if you just throw the podcast out the window, you hear I this answer. Go... What's that? I said you're just throwing the podcast out the window. What kind of answer is that? <laughs> but, but if you were to ask me, yeah, I go to specific ones that have a lot of meaning to me. So you know, Pac, Biggie, uh, those remind me a ton. Snoop of my my time at All the Grove, Outcast, my time at Langara, DMX, my time at X. Yeah. As soon as one of those songs come on, it just puts me back in a layup line. Um, thoughts on ketchup on macaroni? Terrible idea. Thank you. <laughs> you walk into a store, you have one option for a bag of chips. You pick up a bag of... Well, I'm going to throw a wrinkle at you. I'm going to throw that. Thank I'm going to buy dip too, and it's going to be salt and, salt and vinegar chips, dill pickle dip, chip dip oh. combo. What? What is happening in your mouth at that oh, point? That is a freaking flavor of salt and vinegar what? and dill pickle yep. dip. Wow. It's all about the chip and dip combo, wow. buddy. That's that's impressive stuff. Uh, that's that's a huge <laughs> remix I was not prepared for. Uh, <laughs> just a few more. Greatest player you've played against or with? Uh, mine would easily be Nash. The most important person in your life has been uh my wife if we're talking about since i've been married and then i'm gonna say my wow what a safe what a safe answer good call that's yeah. a good call well that's done. a good call point well, guard right there I mean, point guard seeing the well, game come on now as a guy who good call that's a good call a that's a good call. Old, uh, Eli. good call that's a good call that's a good three call. and a half so i mean you know what it's all about man is like when you have kids, it's it's change. It's it's a life changer, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh. But if I'm gonna go pre my wife, uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and say two. I'm gonna say my dad, and I'm gonna say my high school coach Brown. Okay, and last question before we let you go. Um, this one has stumped most of our guests, but um, I'm interested to see what you have to say. If you could do it all again, you would. Cool. I would do so many things different. I would early in my career um, get my end shot. It's funny because I'm actually work with my daughter. How I used to shoot before um, I had health issues is I would shoot like that when I was in grade eight. And then that would have changed a lot of things. I would have worked a lot harder specifically on getting certain things done. I don't mm -hmm. think that I really learned how to train until oh, my fourth or fifth year. I think a lot of it was just me training a lot, but not specifically. And I would play basketball a long time, but like not get as much accomplished as I could have. I think the one thing that I did a pretty good job on is my body, like lifting weights early and often. And I kind of fell in love with that. And that really helped me. But specifically on more like skill development things to earlier on in my life, I think would have made a big difference. 
got one more or uh, to be truthfully honest you don't want to go down yeah the no, no no uh, to be truthfully honest one of the big ones too would have been when i was in school i would have uh focused more on academics i think that it was really obvious to a lot of people around me that i was going to college and university for basketball and it wasn't until my fifth year that i actually started to like school I, my right. my last year on dean's list at saint of x and I just like i i yeah. truly started to like the classes i was in i mean some of that i think to do with our educational system on how it's set up and you have to take a bunch of fluffy classes mm-hmm. earlier on and that definitely as a person that wasn't motivated i wasn't motivated to do well in psych 101 i i, I wish i would have mm-hmm. pushed myself a little harder there um but then i mean it, to be truthfully sure. honest, I mean, maybe even having, I I kind of had dreams of playing pro where maybe I should have put the window a little bit higher. I mean, I, I had two summers where I got to play in the NBA mm-hmm. Summer League and play against lots of NBA players. And it was, would have been an interesting one if, if that was my goal. And I think part of the problem right. is I'm a little bit too much of a realist and to fault sometimes. I wish I would have mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. pushed the envelope a little bit on Interesting. that. Awesome, man. Holy smokes. Thank you so much. Like, was really looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you because I obviously know your journey and there's so many cool things to take away. Corbin, I don't know if you have any questions for Randy or any comments before we let him go on with his life. I mean, there was a, there was a lot going on in this podcast. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I was just a fun conversation to listen to. And I guess... I know Randy, you're coaching now, right? And I guess you see a little bit of the high school level. Um, what is missing in the high school kids now? In terms, I know Mitch and I can go back and forth about that, but like, is it the talent? And it, the high it just feels like it's now. so diluted in turn now. Then. Mitch and I can go back. Yeah, and forth yeah, about it's that, funny because I'm going to go back because I've listened to talent? your guys' first. It just feels podcast. like it's so diluted. And now I'm going to throw this out, Mitch. I 100% agree about Morgan. Super underrated, and mm. he's a stud. Shout out. I think one of the things that hurts high school sports right now is if you go back and I think it's in 96 or 97, they expand the amount of high schools and they take middle schools and turn them into secondary schools. And I think that really watered down the, down the end product. So there's more people Mm -hmm. that play, but I'll use this as an example. When Mitch and me were in high school, Richmond had three high school teams. So what would happen is people go to their junior school, then they would try out for their senior teams so, like, I still remember going in 94 and watching Mitch's team win right. uh, BCs. And, like, yeah, his team was really good. But Richmond had, like, eight guys that were under 16, under 17. Mitch's team had a bunch. Yeah. Like, the guys coming off the bench. And, I mean, I even go back to my high school team where we had seven guys play college. Where now when I watch teams play – there's one guy that plays for drive. There's one guy that plays for athlete. Then there's like, I mean, yeah. you, you watch 3D or not, whatever. Some of these teams don't even have 12 guys. Then you talk to a coach and they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah. we only had seven show up to trial. Back in the, like, back in the day, it was, <sighs> was an accomplishment yeah. to make your high school team. Now it's just like a, a given that you get the right to be on your high school <sighs> team because you tried out. Um, and I think that's one of the things that hurts the end product a little bit. I don't want to sit here and say that they're not skilled because I think that at the end of the day, the players themselves maybe are more skilled, but there's less, 
there's less good players on the court at one time compared to mm-hmm. I think if you go I, right. I'm not sure on the exact date. I thought it was around 96, 97 because people always ask me about high school sports and I always say I graduated in 95 and I think the last really good year of high school sports was 94. The four teams mm. that were in the semifinals that mm. Mitch this year, your grade 11 year or our grade 11 year. Oh, come on. Unreal. Right. Mm. You're fought. Well, that's you, what I was saying. Like, you got Which Mavis and Heinrichsen. That you guys beat. Yeah. Their second team. Yeah. Guys coming off the bench wins provincials. Yeah. A lot of years. <laughs> Nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, it, yeah it's they're true. just. I think I yeah. think that's kind of the yeah. one thing that it, it hurts a little bit, and it also then you tri- yeah. it gets trickled down because as high school coaches, if you only got one kid that can play, okay, we got to play zone defense. Okay, this kid can't get in foul trouble because as soon as he's out, where you go back to your '94 team, we yeah. play hard in like yeah. it's oh, not just boy. about this guy. It's not like you had multiple university guys on it. Like I mean. The point guard on your uh, team mm-hmm. that year that didn't he go to SFU, like Gregor, yeah, yeah, like yeah. there were so many good players, and every good team that I've been on, they have one thing in common, and you brought it up, man. They have amazing practices, mm-hmm. and you think about the amount of times you practice over the amount of games you play. Those mm-hmm. are my two things that I think hurt high school sports nowadays. A, they start a lot later. Like back in the day, we used to start earlier and we'd play more games. Mm-hmm. And the, and mm-hmm. your practices were just better because there was more good kids. Maybe just because there wasn't as many kids playing. Right? And then right. you just yeah. that trickle down effect. <clears throat> no, I know it. Even to a school like yours where you right. go, I mean, your guys' right. enrollment number might not be as much, but if there was a kid that wasn't going to make a, right. you know, in Coquitlam, isn't going to make the two high school teams that are there, Maybe his family's going, oh, you know, our little Johnny really likes basketball. Maybe we'll send him to STM and maybe he'll make that team. Maybe he would as the 10th, 11th guy. Or, you know, like there's just, I think mm-hmm. that kind of hurt, hurts high school sports a little bit is back in mm-hmm. the day, I like if you go watch a good single A team, they had one guy that could, and most double A teams had two guys right. that maybe could play. Then they had a bunch, and then triple A teams had three and four guys. And then the really good teams had six, eight, nine guys that could play. I mean, I, I watched a lot of a lot of the provincials this mm-hmm. year, and there wasn't a lot of teams that I'm watching going, "Oh, they got right. multiple college or university guys on that floor." I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched a lot of high school this year, but I've watched more this year than right. I have other years, and that it, it felt like I was watching single and double A stuff. From back in the day where there was like, oh, that guy's a really good player. Like I watched the King George team play and I instantly I was like, oh, that, that kid looks like he's a university player. But that's it. You know, like um yeah. So yeah. Sorry right. for the long winded answer. <laughs> no, it's definitely interesting. No, that was great. Yeah. I know Mitch and I yeah, we go back and forth about this and no, that was great. Yeah, well, I know Mitch and I right in, like when I was at yeah, Terry we Fox, go the Tri Cities. It was Fox, Centennial, Port Moody. Now you've got Glen Eagle, Heritage Woods. You've got Riverside. You've got Charles Best. Like I, I missed, there's, right? There's just so many more schools now, and that's population increase. But 
yeah, there's something to be said for yeah for your point there, Randy. And I mean, you even think of that that effect on like the college system, Mitch. Where when we were in, going to college, there was only three universities. So college, like yeah, every every night you're playing against guys that are university teams, are university players. Like, mm-hmm. Where now mm-hmm. there's how many universities in BC that play U sports? I mean, there's got to be six or seven. So yeah. There's guys that are going to UNBC who would be the backup point guard at UVic. I mean, I actually talked to, I ran into uh, the UVic coach, uh, Craig, in a Starbucks one day, and we went through this exact thing. And he, he had a really good run. And then all of a sudden, all these schools come in, and UVic struggled the last couple of years because they kind of used to get mm-hmm. UBC and SFU kind of split. The top guys, UVic would once in a while get the, one of the top guys, but would get the second and third tier guys and then kind of coach them up. And they'd get all the good island guys mm-hmm. and whatnot. But nowadays, when there's so many more schools, he's just not getting those guys. Those guys are going to be the star at Fraser Valley because they will get the start. And he's going, Well, you wouldn't be my eighth guy. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's great mm-hmm. that there's more guys playing university. But sometimes it doesn't always end up in a in a better end product, and I think as a province, it's kind of one of the reasons why we've struggled a little bit um, at at nationals and on the, on the national, national level, level a little bit. Like, spe- I mean, yeah, it it, it it I mean, we've we're probably sending more guys to Division One, but uh, our university and our colleges, it, it's kind of hit or miss sometimes. And I would say that a lot of it has to do with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been some good college teams and some good university teams over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. But it, it, some things could have been a little bit better, I think, if if our college system still, you know, had Trinity Western, UBC Okanagan, UNBC Thompson Rivers. If all those guys played in the BCAA, well, you just take all those, you know, 25 starters off those teams and maybe some of them play but you know you're splitting 14 15 of those guys and going okay ubc gets two or three uvic gets two or three as if you gets two or three i mean how much is that improving those teams yeah man <laughs> solving the world problems. Right. one question at a time <laughs> awesome buddy looking at the time i thank you so much for joining us as really you know we're <laughs> Corbin and I are pumped to be doing this podcast and we're pumped to be sharing people's stories and um, we're not trying to make it too biased early on, but obviously, you know, I was thrilled that you were able to come on and join us because I feel like you have a a very unique story um, regardless of, you know, the success and the win column, just your ability to fight and work as a player and take your example from your dad and your, and your high school coach and, and continue to turn that into something for yourself. And now in your adult life, realizing what your coaches did for you and yeah, giving man. back to the game as well is, is super cool and just almost full circle. So really appreciate your time and thanks for being with us and uh, all the best that I know we'll obviously chat soon, but uh, you know, from, from a hoops journey, we wish you nothing but the best. Hey, thanks a lot guys. And uh, I, I think what you guys are doing is great. I love, love it. I've listened to the first two. I just noticed the third one's on there. So I'll have to I'll listen to that as I, as I go to sleep tonight. Right on, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Big shout out to Good Lad Clothing as our sponsor. 
and much love to everybody out there. We can't wait for what's coming next on a hoops journey. Be well. Be well.